Boys and girls, your attention, please. Presenting a new exciting radio program featuring the thrilling adventures of an amazing and incredible personality. And now, the Sports Buzz with your host, Kevin Wolf, with Andy Loigu. And welcome to this Friday, August 25th, to our live edition of the Sports Buzz. How is everyone doing as we get ready to close out the summer months here on the East Coast and we get ready for the fall crisp air, the NFL season to start, and the pigskin to return to the football field for the opening of week one in the college football season tomorrow. And you always know that fall is in the air when you walk into Starbucks to get a caffeine drink and you realize that the pumpkin spice flavor, the apple crisp flavor, and all the good fall flavors are on the fall menu at Starbucks. And that just puts a smile on my face as we get ready for cooler months to come. And there is a lot happening in the world of sports as we come to the microphones tonight as we start to enter a real busy period as the baseball season enters its final month. The NFL begins to make noise with the final week of preseason games ready to go before kickoff in less than two weeks from now and the college football season gets ready to take center stage tomorrow and if you're an NFL fan a little bit before we came to the airwaves tonight We heard for the last week or so that there were some issues with Trey Lance in San Francisco and he wasn't happy and he wasn't happy to find that Sam Darnold beat him out for the number two position at the quarterback position in San Francisco behind Brock Purdy and a little bit before eight o'clock tonight it was reported that Trey Lance will be heading to the Dallas Cowboys and he will go to Jerry's World and play in Dallas for the Dallas Cowboys with Cooper Rush and Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott, the big quarterback leading the way there, as it was reported that the San Francisco 49ers will get a fourth-round pick from the Dallas Cowboys So things did not work out in San Francisco. Trey Lance, who was drafted in 2020, number three by the San Francisco 49ers, did not end up getting the job done. And then Kyle Shanahan ended up giving the starting role to Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy ended up becoming the hero out there in Santa Clara as he got the 49ers to the NFC Championship game last year in a game that the Eagles blew them out in. But Brock Purdy will now be front and center leading the 49ers offense. Sam Darnold will be the backup guy and Trey Lance will go to Dallas with the star on the helmet, Andy, and try to 
be groomed under Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott to see if he can eventually get some valuable playing time with the Dallas Cowboys. And with that said, I will welcome in to this evening's edition of the Sports Buzz, my broadcast partner, Andy Loigu. Good Friday evening, Andy. Well, good evening. Good evening, as Alfred Hitchcock used to say. Um, <laughs> I can report that uh, they also have pumpkin at Dunkin'. I was uh, made a Dunkin' Donuts run today. They got pumpkin also, and it rhymes with Dunkin', so that's pretty cool. Now, the Dallas Cowboys looks like it is Prescott's job to lose, but he may be feeling some uh, competition there. Well, listen, it's a do-or-die situation for Mike McCarthy this season. He takes over the play calling. He takes over the entire offensive side of the football with Dak Prescott at the quarterback position. Ezekiel Elliott was traded over to the New England Patriots and will now put on a Patriot helmet and go play for Bill Belichick and company in Foxborough. And I think this is going to have to be a big year for the Dallas Cowboys. They've gotten to the postseason, but they have fallen short every year when they've gotten to the postseason. They played a good first half against the 49ers last year in the divisional round, but then they couldn't solve them in the late stages of the fourth quarter in that game in the divisional round last season. And when you think about it, Andy, they haven't been to an NFC Championship game or a Super Bowl since 1995. That's 27 years ago. And you know that patience is wearing thin for Jerry Jones, so it's going to be interesting to see how all of this plays out now with Trey Lance going to the Dallas Cowboys. He's a young stud. He's from North Dakota State University. was a good quarterback for the Bison back in the day, and now he comes over to Dallas after two years in San Francisco where a few of his starts were very questionable. He didn't seem to fit into the Kyle Shanahan offensive play calling system that he had in place there in San Francisco. Purdy seemed to fit that mold better, so now he goes over to Dallas, and if Prescott gets off to a shaky start, you'd have to wonder where Trey Lance falls into place now with the Dallas Cowboys at that position. We know that when Prescott was injured last year, Cooper Rush was able to go in there and did a decent job the few weeks he played last year while Prescott was injured, but this is going to be a fascinating storyline in Dallas as the season gets ready to begin in about two weeks or so, and where does Trey Lance fit into all of this? That is yet to be determined, but it is going to be interesting, and Lance is scheduled to make $940,000 in 2023 and has a $5.3 million salary for 2024, all of which is guaranteed. Upon trading him, the Niners will incur dead money hits of... $8,361,434 this year and $5,540,956 in 2024. And also for Dallas, uh, it's hanging over their heads there that the team they've got to jump over to win the division and win the conference if they're going to get to the Super Bowl. uh, Talking about the Eagles, uh, the Eagles have the best quarterback in the conference and uh, Dallas... uh, really has to step up its passing game to keep up. 
Absolutely, Andy. Trey Lance now will go to the Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, listen, Sam Darnold was a decent veteran quarterback. He had some good moments for the New York Jets. Then he goes to the Carolina Panthers. Doesn't get the job done there. Didn't have a good year last year. And I guess San Francisco has seen a lot in him to make him the number two starter behind Brock Purdy. We know Brock Purdy's injury prone. We knew Brock Purdy had some great moments for the 49ers last year offensively. But he's still young. He's coming out of a rookie season. He's going to start his first full season at the helm for the 49ers. Will he have that same momentum and juice that he had prior to the injury last year where the 49ers fell short of getting to a Super Bowl? Will he still have that same juice? That is the big question mark for the 49ers. And maybe Kyle Shanahan knows that putting a veteran like Darnold behind him could be a little comforting knowing that if things don't work out with Purdy, you have Darnold there. Yeah, there's something to be said about having a backup quarterback with uh, experience because uh, I'm old enough to remember the Baltimore Colts in 1968 team that uh, lived and died on the arm of Johnny Unitas for so many years. But in uh, 68, Unitas had a very serious arm injury that caused them to miss almost the entire regular season uh, in a preseason game. They had Earl Morrill over there who had just been cut by the Giants but who had been around, he quarterbacked the Detroit Lions before he was with the Giants, and he was a veteran player at that stage. And he stepped in and had a NFL MVP season. He didn't have a good Super Bowl against the Jets, but uh, he had an MVP season to get the Colts to that Super Bowl. And at the beginning of the season, if anybody had said, well, Earl Morrill is going to be the NFL MVP this year, people would have said, what? Huh? <laughs> and so sometimes a backup uh, with experience can step into a big role and win a lot of games. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there in Dallas. And the sports junkie is very invigorated tonight to know that the summer months are going to be behind us and that we can all get excited now for the start of the NFL and college football. And listen, if you're a Jet and Giant fan, you get ready for the final preseason game tomorrow night at the Meadowlands where Aaron Rodgers will finally put the helmet and the jersey on for the New York Jets and get a few snaps at the quarterback position prior to making his debut on Monday Night Football September 11th with the New York Jets at MetLife Stadium against the Buffalo Bills. So there will be a lot of intrigue entering preseason football tomorrow night as the Hall of Fame quarterback, the guy that's garnered all of the attention thus far, will finally get to the playing field and show some ability with the Jets leading that offense. And we know that the expectations are high for Aaron Rodgers. We know that the Jet fan is extremely excited to get this season off and running. We know that Hard Knocks has been a big focal point the last three weeks and a big feature to many of the football junkies who look forward to honing in on the show on a week-in, week-out basis. 
We know that the Jets have a ton of offensive talent with Cobb and Lazard and Dalvin Cook at the running back position. The offensive line is weak. That would worry me a little bit, but they have the pieces there offensively for Rodgers to have some success, and they have a top-tier defense, a top-five defense in the NFL. So there's a lot of high expectations for the New York Jets as they get ready for the 2023 NFL season and it's going to be interesting to see how the start of this season begins for Aaron Rodgers he seems very comfortable being in the New York metro area he seems like he's really enjoying his time here he's gone to many sporting events whether it was the Rangers the Knicks some baseball games for the Yankees and the Mets he's toured New York City The fans have welcomed him graciously here in the Big Apple, and now the pressure is going to be on for him to go out there and try and deliver the Jets some winning success with the hopes of postseason success with a chance at getting to the Super Bowl. I personally think that that is going to be a little bit of a tall order myself for Aaron Rodgers you're one here in New York but we will have to see how it all plays out I'm not as excited about the New York Jets as many are that I've spoken to over the last several weeks Andy well you know what the Jets and the Giants are going to get a lot of attention in New York in October because it looks like the Mets and the Yankees are going to be done Whoever Uh, thought, Andy, I would come to the microphone at the end of August to tell you that the Yankees are last place in the AL East, a New York Yankees team that has 27 World Series titles, a New York Yankees team that has been a dynasty on the baseball diamond, a New York Yankees team that always prided themselves in the big-name players and the big contracts and the big guys going out there and being the catalysts for winning success on the diamond, whether it was Jeter, whether it was Knobloch, whether it was Clemens, whether it was Martinez, Bernie Williams, Paul O'Neill, Scott Brocious, Aaron Judge, you name it, we've seen many Yankees that have been key contributors to much of their success over the decades that we've been following them here in the New York market. And listen, we know that if George Steinbrenner was still the owner of this team, that there would have been dramatic changes in the front office. There would have been dramatic changes on the baseball diamond because he was one guy who could not tolerate losing. But the idea that Hal Steinbrenner has sat back and hasn't gone out there and said much to the fan base, hasn't gone out there and made a move at the manager position with Aaron Boone, hasn't gone out there and tried to put some pieces in place for Brian Cashman to go out there and find ways to get this team back on the map. Listen, Brian Cashman has been the general manager for the New York Yankees for an extremely long time, since 1995. The last time the Yankees got to a World Series was 2009. This is a Yankees team that has played in postseason after postseason. This is a Yankees team that is in the back pages of the newspaper season after season after season. And to have a season 
blow up the way it has for the New York Yankees with a lot of bad contracts and a lot of veteran guys like LeMayu and Rizzo and Giancarlo Stanton and Trevino and Agashioka, just guys who haven't been able to go out there and get the job done with the bats. I mean, outside of Garrett Cole doing his part on the mound, Andy, and there's been a lot of significant injuries also, but outside of Garrett Cole doing his part on the mound, when Aaron Judge got injured in early June in that series against the Dodgers on the West Coast, this team has been a free fall since that series, and then when Aaron Judge returned to the lineup he's really been insignificant to say the least the offense hasn't done anything for this team this year and when was the last time that you would think we would approach a trade deadline and the Yankees wouldn't be all over the news at making some kind of big move or making some kind of big trade that warranted them to make a deep run into October baseball every time there was a broken piece that needed to be fixed the general manager of the New York Yankees and Brian Cashman would go out there and find that piece to fix and he didn't do anything at the trade deadline and now the Yankees are suffering because of that. They only have 61 wins and 67 losses and they're taking on a race team this weekend that is marching their way into the postseason with one of the lowest payrolls in all of baseball, a great manager in Kevin Cash, and the Yankees are on the outside looking in. It is really, really crazy what has gone on here in New York. I'd have to go back to about 1990 or 1991 for a... Yankees team that's been this uh, inept. Those teams didn't have the big names that the Yankees have had now. And uh, I'm always uh, slow to write off the Yankees because I remember 1978. I'm sure a lot of people out there remember the Yankees being 14 games behind the Red Sox and storming back to beat them in the the playoff when they tied them in the standings. But uh, this year, it doesn't look like the Yankees have that kind of a September in them. And, you know, Andy, listen, I really think that it is time for Hal Steinbrenner to look in the mirror, to sit back, to get a sense of how aggravated the fan base is, and to get an idea that maybe, just maybe, a change is warranted. And the crazy thing is, they're selling out Yankee Stadium for their home games. They're making a ton of money. The fans are going to the ballpark. They're going in droves to watch this team night in and night out at the house that Homer's built, Yankee Stadium, in the Bronx. And if you're a Yankee fan, you're a hardcore fan. You are in it till the bitter end with your team, whether it's good or bad. But the fact of the matter is, they haven't been to a World Series since 2009. They got to an ALCS against the Houston Astros the last several years, and they haven't been able to beat the Astros, who have dominated them in postseason play. I think it's time for Hal Steinbrenner to take a page out of his father's book, and I think it's time for him to make 
the changes that are warranted to get this team back on the map. Now, we heard from an interview he did with The Athletic, which is a sports column that he's not looking to make a change at the general manager position with Brian Cashman. So now you know as the Yankee fan that it's 90% in the bag that Brian Cashman's coming back for the 2024 season. So if there's any fall guy that has to get the blame for the Yankees' bad play on the diamond, it's going to have to be Aaron Boone. There's going to have to be a change warranted somewhere for this team to go out there and win and for the owner to prove to the fans that he's serious about getting back to a World Series. That's funny. I remember when you're talking about making changes and George Steinbrenner, uh, Steinbrenner was just constantly making changes, uh, like the five Billy Martin uh, hirings and firings. And uh, a funny book, I don't know if you've ever read it. I'm sure somebody out there listening has. The Bronx Zoo by Sparky Lyle. He wrote that in the 70s. And Sparky kind of uh, pointed out that he said the Yankees won uh, those 77 and 78 championships in spite of Steinbrenner, not really because of him, because uh, Steinbrenner was bringing in players who the Yankees had no place for them. You know, instead of bringing in uh, good players who were accustomed to a backup role, you know, he was just bringing in superstars uh, who had no place to play. Uh, and sometimes, uh, as you know, when you when you uh, try to win a pennant, division, wild card, and playoffs. Sometimes your best contributions are by those guys who are the lesser lights but who understand their role and they're always ready when called upon. Yankees didn't have that kind of a roster, but uh, their star power carried them you know, to championships anyway. But uh, it's been a circus over there where the Yankees, uh, in spite of the times they win the World Series, I can think back to so many failed years. And that's the thing with the Yankees. If you don't win the World Series their fan base considers the season a failure. And one thing I was talking about, I think the last time we did this show was how, uh, you know, New York fans have to get used to the idea that sometimes you have to be patient and like the 76ers did trust the process. Uh, uh, you remember all that with the Sixers in there and trying to build themselves a winning team from the ashes a few years back. And they kept saying, trust the process, trust the process. And uh, the Mets and the Yankees may have to go through that uh, for a couple of years right now. Well, the Yankees enter play on the diamond this weekend in St. Pete, taking on a weekend series with the Rays, who have dominated in the AL East. The Rays enter play this weekend with a 78-51 and record. The Yankees enter play in fifth place in the AL East at 61 wins and 66 losses, 18 games back in the division, Andy. Ten and a half out of the wild card. They do have a 6-2 to two lead as they go to the bottom of the ninth tonight, the Yankees, but it may be a little too late to salvage this season with postseason aspirations on the line. Well, they just lost a couple of games to the rebuilding Nationals, and, uh, and it's just amazing how uh, some of the big teams this year have been small market, small money teams, like, uh, you know, Baltimore, their dramatic rise, and and uh, Minnesota and Milwaukee and Arizona and some of these teams that have uh, been achieving while big money teams like the New York teams and the San Diego Padres have not. But one team that keeps going like Old Man River, they just keep rolling along is those Los Angeles Dodgers. 
I mean, they're they're a juggernaut again. And uh, I remember in the beginning of the season, we were saying, "Gee, the Dodgers didn't do too much this winter," and I don't know if they're going to be that good this year. But there they are, leading the division by eleven games. <laughs> yes, and speaking of the L.A. Dodgers, Andy, they are playing a huge weekend series against a young Boston Red Sox team that is still trying to stay in the thick of it for wild card positioning in the American League as Mookie Betts returns, but this time in a Dodger uniform to take on his former team. It's a 4-3 to three Dodgers lead in the top of the seventh at Fenway Park, and the Red Sox, Andy, they've been playing some gutty gritty baseball they've been fundamentally sound on the diamond they were able to take two out of four from the astros they swept the yankees last weekend in the bronx and the red sox are trying to stay close in the wild card race for that third spot as they enter play tonight at 68 and 60 in what I consider is one of the biggest series so far this season for them on the diamond and they will at least need to take two out of three against the Dodgers this weekend well the Red Sox are about I think seven or eight games above 500 at home and they're below 500 away you know they've been really good at Fenway and have that great fan base over there so uh, they're still in it, but uh, just looking at the numbers so far, they're going to have to win some big road games uh, down the stretch, and that's where they've had their problems. Absolutely, Andy. The road has not fared well for them, and right now they're three and a half out of the wild card. The Blue Jays are ahead of them at 70 and 58. They're a game and a half out, and then you have the young Seattle Mariners who have made some strides each season under Scott Surveys as manager, Andy. They had a run last season, and they're on another run in the second half of this season as they find themselves entering play tonight at 71 and 56 and they are right now the second wild card team entering play today on the diamond and the Seattle Mariners are playing a big weekend series against the Royals later on tonight in Seattle so a weekend series against the hapless Royals where they can make even more ground in that wild card spot the Mariners have been good both home and away. Uh, they're about the, about the same amount of games over 500 home and away. So that's, uh, that's a solid team that definitely looks like uh, not only a playoff team, but a threat to go all the way to the World Series, a serious threat. And then on the other New York side of things, Andy, listen. If you're a diehard Met fan like me, you go into every season optimistic at the start, but you know when you have to go out there as a Met fan and play 162 games that there is going to be issues and problems somewhere throughout the season. It's just the way it is with this organization and this team year in and year out, with the exception of last year, which was just a magical year from a Mets fan's perspective, 101 one wins offense was clicking on all cylinders the pitching was there and headlined night in and night out they got to the postseason they fell short to the Padres in the wild card and going out there in the offseason and getting Verlander to replace the Grom and tying him in with Scherzer every Met fan felt confident that this was going to be another year that they were going to find 
themselves playing in October. However, it was anything but as right before the trade deadline, the Mets started selling top-tier players to other teams. Scherzer went to the Rangers. Verlander went back to the Astros, a place where he's had tons of success previous seasons. Robertson went to the back end of the bullpen for the Florida Marlins and was shipped from New York to Miami. So once all of that started to form by Billy Epler, the general manager, you knew as a Met fan that they were going to play the rest of the way with young prospects and young talent with the hope to try and rebuild the farm system for long-term success. And what did Cohen do? He went out there and practically sent two pitchers and paid them a lot of money to get out of the way to buy prospects that he thinks can be long-term fixtures for this team. But the Mets enter play this weekend, 10 games under 500. They've been playing a little bit more grittier of late. They've been playing a little bit more fundamentally sound, but it's little too late for Buck Showalter and company as they are playing a weekend series at home against an Angels team that you thought a month ago was going to have a run to October baseball, but their star stud player and one of the best players in the entire sport, Shohei Otani, ends up getting injured. He is DHing this weekend and hitting in the series against the Mets, but he ends up getting that big elbow injury and that's going to throw him on the shelf from a pitching perspective for the rest of the season and the Angels have fallen flat as they are 61 and 67 entering play tonight and their wild card aspirations are all but over for postseason play in October but this was an Angels team Andy that played tough for Phil Nevin and that went out there and tried to make a statement, but they just couldn't get it done. Trout got hurt, and now Otani's injured, and that's pretty much the two faces of the franchise that make them click day in and day out on the diamond. Yeah, without Otani's pitching, uh, they're not going to be the same team. And the Mets, uh, oddly enough, uh, Still have a winning record at uh, City Field. They're 12 games below 500 uh, on the road. They have the worst road record of any of the National League East teams, including the Nationals. It's been a tough year for the Mets. Yeah. And getting back to the Mets quickly, there's been murmurs for the last few weeks that the clubhouse has been toxic, that Lindor is favored by many, and that Alonzo has had some arguments with various players. We've heard murmurs that maybe Alonzo's days in New York are going to be short-lived and that they may look to ship him elsewhere. That'll be a huge mistake as far as I'm concerned. Being a Med fan, he's one of the best offensive players on the team. Every time he goes to the plate, you know he can hit a home run out of the ballpark. If I'm the Mets, I am doing everything in my power to keep Alonzo, make him front and center, 
build around him for your team's success and try and get some winning formulas back on the diamond. I don't know if Buck Showalter is going to be here next year. I'm 50-50. I was all for the hire when they went and brought him in. He had a magical year in the dugout last year. But to me, if Cohen goes out there and gets David Stearns, I think Stearns is going to go out there and bring his own guy in, and he has a very good rapport with Craig Council, the manager of the Milwaukee Brewers. So all leading indications are is Craig Council could be the next manager for the New York Mets if David Stearns is so fortunate to get the vice president of baseball operations position from Steve Cohen to come to the Big Apple and retool this team. Well, Alonzo's got to be getting close to his uh, free agency year, right? He's uh, He hasn't been with the Mets that long, but he's been there, I think, uh, enough years now that he can be starting to think about his free agency. And I would have thought, beginning of the season, ah, no, Alonzo's going to stay a Met. I mean, it's a perfect world for him, at least going into the season, a popular superstar in New York. I mean, how can you beat that? If there's internal issues and uh, Alonzo... Uh, can do what Jake DeGrom did and uh, go sign with another team, uh, that would be a big loss for the Mets. Uh, They've got to try to get him a long-term contract as soon as they can, keep him around, because uh, he is a future Hall of Famer. Uh, That that guy is one of the best hitting talents that's come along in this game for quite a while. He's entering his final year of arbitration, Andy. He'll be a free agent in 2025, Pete Alonzo. So if I'm the Mets, I'm trying to make any deal I can this offseason to keep him. And listen, Jacob DeGrom, every Met fan was annoyed and angered when he decided to leave the Mets and go play for new manager Bruce Bochy in the American League in the AL West with the Texas Rangers. DeGrom starts off well for the Rangers, and then he ends up having a season-ending injury and needing Tommy John surgery and he ends up being put on the shelf for the rest of the year for the Texas Rangers but what does Texas do they fill the void they go out there they get Max Scherzer from the Mets and Scherzer now goes to Texas and will try and get Bruce Bochy an AL West title as the Rangers march themselves right on through the final month of the season and will find themselves in postseason play on the diamond. And what a job Bruce Bochy has done with that Texas Rangers team, Andy. Everything has been clicking for the Texas Rangers in Arlington at Globe Life, their brand new stadium. DeGrom over the offseason must have talked to some scouts who he really uh, respects their knowledge. You know, somebody must have told DeGrom, hey, look, the Rangers are going to be a better team than the Mets this year. And DeGrom probably believed that. And and, uh, whoever gave him that kind of information probably knew what they were talking about. Might have seen that the Mets were just a a one-year flash that wasn't going to sustain itself. It's going to be very interesting, Andy, to see how... It all plays out, and quickly, just to update everybody, the Twins, who are leading the AL Central, they have a record of 66-62. and They are playing the 
Texas Rangers this weekend in a four-game series that began last night, and the Twins have a 4-1 to lead in the bottom of the fourth. So these games are pivotal for both teams as the Astros and Rangers are fighting for first place there, Andy, in the AL West, and the Twins are trying to hold serve and win the Central. Well, they've got a good team there. I think uh, their talent is better than their record. Uh, they they close out the season with a good rush. You know, they uh, they'll run away from that Central Division over there. The Twins have had a good season, but you know what? Every time they get to the postseason, they seem to fall flat and not make deep runs in the month of October, and I'm sure the Twins fan is hoping that they can climb that hurdle this year. They don't have many big-name players on the team outside of Carlos Correa, who has led the team offensively. Their pitching's been more dominant, and that's really what has kept them in this race thus far this season. Season with a 66 and 62 record entering play in the final weekend of August on the diamond. You know, it's been the Twins' downfall in a lot of years. Uh, has been uh, they met up with the New York Yankees and the Yankees in the postseason have just owned the Twins. Uh, this year, they've got to be looking around Minnesota and say, "Hey, the Yankees won't be in the playoffs this year. Maybe this is our year." Think back, you know, so many times the Yankees were the team that ended the dream for the Twins, but uh, Twins don't have to worry about that this year. And, you know, sometimes those things can be a mental thing for a team. You know, you, you just, what do we got to do to beat the Yankees? We just can't beat the Yankees. Well, the Yankees beat themselves this year, so uh, the Twins uh, may be uh, getting some optimism from seeing uh, what's going on there in the East. Another huge weekend series, Andy. For the Arizona Diamondbacks, as they will be home in Phoenix, and they will be taking on a Reds team that has surprised many this season. The Reds come into weekend play on the Diamond with a 67 and 62 record, and they take on a Diamondbacks team that currently holds a 67 and 61 record out of the NL East. Both teams jockeying for wild card positioning in the National. National League, if play was to start today for the postseason, the Diamondbacks would hold secure that second wild card spot, and the Reds are only a half game out entering play. So, a huge weekend series in Phoenix as these two teams will battle it out all weekend to see who can land in October on the Diamond in postseason play. Yeah, a couple of uh, uh, upstart uh, franchises there, but the franchises that have had their World Series success in uh, previous decades, uh, we had the Diamondbacks with Curt Schilling and Randy Johnson, who won a World Series in 2001, and the Cincinnati Reds, uh, even after the uh, dynastic years of Pete Rose and Johnny Bench and all that, but the Reds had some... Uh, Really good teams there with Barry Larkin and Ken Griffey Jr. And they've rebuilt themselves and uh, done it the old-fashioned way through the farm system. And uh, they've been positive stories in baseball this year. Well, a team out of the Midwest, the Chicago Cubs, who have played hard for manager David Ross at Wrigley Field on the north side of Chicago, are also battling for 
a chance to play in October in the postseason. The Cubs currently own a record of 67 and 60. They're a half game out of the wild card, and they are playing a huge weekend series, and every game will start to matter for the Chicago Cubs down the stretch as the Cubs find themselves playing a weekend series against the Pirates and they lost a game tonight to the Pittsburgh Pirates 2-1 to one. so that is a big loss for the Chicago Cubs tonight as Hendricks moves to 5-7 and seven with a 3-8 earn run average as he takes a loss for the Chicago Cubs. So it hasn't been a great year for veteran pitcher Hendricks, but the Cubs are still trying to hang in there to vie for postseason play. Well, the Cubs have been a real good team offensively this year. Uh, right now it looks like uh, the Phillies are that first wild card and uh, Cubs and the Arizona Diamondbacks are battling for that second and uh, third spot. And with, with the Miami Marlins, they're right in it, too, just uh, hanging around uh, within a game of the, the wild card. So uh, those Cubs, Reds, and Marlins, that's going to be interesting for playoff positions there. By the way, a few weeks ago, Andy, I got to see the Cubs live in action as I ventured out to City Field and saw the Mets Cubs at City Field. City Field, great ballpark, great venue. It was a fantastic game. The Mets ended up winning 4-3, to one of their better games they've played thus far all season. So I guess... Uh, I was lucky to go and experience that game that night because it was one of the better games I've witnessed in person this season oh, from Mets a Mets perspective. The, the other day, oh, the Mets, uh, yeah, they're capable of beating anybody in the major leagues on a given night, but they just don't, you know, sustain it with a uh, good hot streaks. <laughs> you want to talk about City Field, though, Andy? It was my fourth visit to City Field since the stadium's been built back in '09, and City Field used to have a relaxed environment to it. There used to not be a ton of stress. When I tell you the place was packed on a Wednesday night for a baseball game, there wasn't one concession stand in that ballpark that had less than an hour wait online to get food. One observation I'll make about you Mets fans, uh, even if they're down 10 to nothing, I mean, you still hear Mets fans clapping and let's go Mets. <laughs> they stay optimistic no matter what is the impression I've got from whenever I watch the Mets. Uh, they stay optimistic, Andy, but any realistic Mets fan knows every year that the depression's going to kick in in about July and the anxiety levels are going to get higher and higher with the stress levels as the months progress, as it's just doom and gloom year in and year out for a franchise that can't get over the hump, that has a billionaire owner who has promised a bill of goods to a fan base and has fallen short in the three years that he has owned this team. And the Mets have to stop going out there and thinking that big names are going to be the guys that are going to try and go out there and win your World Series title. Get the right players in the right position with the right leadership at top and try to build that way to get some success on the diamond. The idea that you're going to go out there and give big contracts to the Justin Verlanders of the world and the Max Scherzers of the world and then they're going to go out there and after four months of going out there and trying 
trying to get their job done. They're just going to stink up the joint, want to be traded, want to move on, and don't want to be part of a lackluster organization. So all the Mets fans were very happy when Steve Cohen went out there and put a ton of money on the table to take over the team from the Wilpons. But you know what? Outside of one season with 101 wins, Steve Cohen doesn't have much to show for all the money that he's invested in this team. And when you're an owner who's worth $10 billion, I guess you can do whatever you want whenever you want from a financial perspective. But it's time for Cohen to go out there and show the fans that he's investing in this team long term to put a World Series trophy in the City Field clubhouse. That's what he needs to do for the fan base. Stop with the big names and the big contracts and these guys who aren't going to get the job done. And year in and year out, the big names have not proved dividend for the New York Mets. It seems like a big uh, ingredient of winning is team chemistry. And, uh, you know, that's not so easy to find. I recall one time uh, I was at a fundraising event where a lot of former major leaguers uh, got together to raise money in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. And I happened to uh, meet somebody um, who played for the Baltimore Orioles back in 1983. And he was just a reserve player who hit a very clutch uh, playoff home run for them that won them a playoff game. But uh, he looked back and he said, that team was into winning. He played on several teams. He, he went to Baltimore in a trade from the Cardinals. He was with several different teams. And I said, well, you uh, played for several teams. Uh, were the, the Orioles the only team that really cared about winning that you played for? He said, well, they all cared about winning, but not the way uh, the Orioles did. He said it was uh, that they had just this mix of players, a lot of guys who were journeymen, a lot of guys had been around a little bit, and they were just totally dedicated to winning. Well, the only two stars that team really had were Cal Ripken and Eddie Murray, but it was just a bunch of role players who came together and uh, and won the World Series. They beat my Phillies in the World Series. That's some good pitching, too. But uh, it was interesting to hear a guy, a journeyman, who played with several teams and single out one team that he played with that was all about winning. And uh, you see these guys, they're all paid professionals. You think everybody is into winning, but... Judging by the conversation I had with this one guy, yeah, he said uh, not not every team is into winning as much as you think. That really opened my eyes to a few things. I remember it's a final Andy in St. Pete. The Yankees get a win six to two behind the bat of DJ Lemayu, who had two home runs tonight for the Bronx Bombers. The Yankees will now go to sixty two and sixty six. I mean, I guess every win is a good win, but the Yankees are really just playing for pride the rest of the way. They're ten and a half out of the wild card. They're far back in the AL East in last place. So the Yankee fans could be happy about a win tonight, but it's a win that really doesn't do much for them from a standings perspective. It'll hurt the Rays a little bit as they are battling the Orioles for the AL East division crown. The Orioles have a big weekend series this weekend with the Colorado Rockies. The Orioles entered play with a 79-48 and record tonight on the diamond. They will now 
get that win at Camden Yards in a 5-4 victory over the Rockies. They will move to 80 and 48, Andy. So they are four games better than the Rays for the division title thus far. So if the Rays continue to have a bad weekend, the Orioles will feel comfortable starting next week knowing that the division is in their grips of getting the division title in the AL East as the Orioles get a big win tonight against the Rockies 5 to 4 Fujiyama gets the win he goes to 6 and 8 he has a 7-6 earned run average Suter takes the loss and Colomai gets his second save for the Orioles, the Phillies beat the Cardinals tonight 7-2, to Andy, as we've seen some magic from Trey Turner with the bat of late. Oh, he's, he's turned it around, yeah. He's he really has. Now. And the Phillies are 12 games over 500, Andy. And Trey are you, Harper has been hammering the ball. Are you sitting back, Andy? Wondering if the Phillies are going to ride themselves right into October with possibly getting to a second consecutive World Series for the second year in a row? Well, they would have to get uh, through the Braves to to do that. But uh, when the Phillies are hot, uh, they're hot. They got through the Braves last year in the postseason, and they did that easily. But the Braves are a different dinosaur this year in baseball, Andy. They're a different animal. They're very tough to solve. They're 82 and 44. They're the best team in the sport. They're taking on a scrappy San Francisco Giant team out west in Northern California this weekend. It's a huge series for the Giants. The Giants are playing tough in the NL West as they're trying to hold serve for a wild card spot. And listen, they're going to have to go out there and they're going to have to do everything they can to tame a Braves team that has hit for a ton of power, that has had great pitching, that has had great relief out of the bullpen. And they are a Braves team that has just been clicking on all cylinders day in and day out. And they don't lose games. That's the bottom line. They don't lose games. They're 38 and 22 on the road yep but those uh, Dodgers and Braves you know those are tremendous organizations who just uh, produce and produce outstanding teams year after year well right now Andy those would be the two favorites to play one another in a National League Championship Series right now I know there's a month to go I know anything can happen but those are the two best teams out of the National League and right now that would be your NLCS matchup if you were to ask me right now I put my hopes on the Phillies simply because uh, they've had a successful postseason and they have a lot of those same players and so uh They'll be right in the mix. but uh, And they have a good so, manager who's been in this spot before, and if anybody yeah. knows how to go out there and prepare his team for postseason success, that is the Phillies manager. And the fact that the Bryce Harper's bat has come alive and the fact that Trey Turner has now turned the corner and proved that he's worth every penny the Phillies paid him in the offseason to come and join the forces in the city of brotherly love as a Phillies fan you have to feel optimistic 12 games over 500 with a month left to play once you get in the postseason Andy anything can happen you could have one of the best records in all of baseball but you can go into a postseason series as a favorite 
and throw up a total letdown and the underdog could dominate you in that series and prevail. Yeah, like 1969. <laughs> and uh, the the Phillies, a couple of things that are going well for them, too. They've improved their defense at third base and center field. That's uh, two areas uh, which uh, they have improved in this year. And uh, Turner has gotten hot and Harper is hot. Real Muto's hot. They, you, we've almost forgotten that uh, their first baseman uh, has been out all year. And Reinsdorf with the White Sox quickly. He cleaned house earlier this week. Changes are abound on the south side of Chicago as it has been a disappointing season for the Chicago White Sox. They're 50 and 78th. They're taking on an A's team that can't get out of Oakland fast enough. An A's team with only 37 wins under their belt and 91 losses. It has been anything but exciting for the Oakland A's as they can't wait for this dreadful, pathetic season to come to an end they lead the White Sox 12 to 4 tonight but it's been anything but exciting for the Oakland A's and if I'm Oakland I'd want to get out of that city as fast as I can as the fan base hasn't been there to support them the stadium is old and ugly and it's time for the A's to make serious changes in an organization and franchise that hopes within the next 5 to 10 years they can put them themselves back on the map another big series this weekend is out in milwaukee as the brewers enter play this weekend at home with a 70 and 57 record andy and they are taking on a padres team that has not exceeded expectations on the diamond thus far this season and they are losing five to one in the top of the fifth and bob melvin and the san diego padres have been a huge letdown coming off of what was a successful postseason and a trip to the NLCS just a year ago. Well, you know, the White Sox this week uh, shuffled around their front office a bit, uh, so they're they're trying to trying to make some moves there. They've, I guess, they've lost patience uh, with what they were getting from their front office. Uh, did you see anything about that this week? They, uh, I think they they canned their uh, general manager. Yes, Reinsdorf. He made right. some big moves. He's he's tired of the uh, lacklusterness with the organization, he said. You can be patient up to a point, but then there comes a the time you have to shuffle uh, the lawn chairs a little bit. <laughs> so Reinsdorf went out there and fired Executive Vice President Ken Williams and General Manager Rick Hahn two days ago. So the yeah. VP and the GM are out. Yep, which means uh, they're looking to go a different direction here. By the way, the Cleveland Guardians have a 5 to 2 lead over the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are 70 and 58. The Guardians are playing tough. It's going to be interesting to see what skipper Terry Francona decides to do. There has been rumors that he may hang it up at the end of this season and retire as manager of the Cleveland Guardians. He did say earlier this week that he will not make a decision on that till the end of the season, but is it the final few weeks for Terry Francona in the dugout as Guardians manager, or does he return next season? His health has been problematic. He had a health scare this season. He was out. He also had some health problems last year. 
So he's had some issues with his health. So that could be a big reason as to why he may just hang it up when all is said and done. But he is one of the elites when it comes to managing in a dugout for a respective franchise. Well, Francona could be a a Hall of Fame manager. Uh, I mean, really, he he should be going to the Hall of Fame based on the body of work he has, regardless of whether he comes back with Cleveland next year or not. I mean, he's been a hugely successful manager. So that's pretty much where we stand on the diamond with action in baseball as we have a month left. And the Tigers did beat the Astros 4-1, to Andy. So a big loss there for the Astros as they try to battle the Rangers who are both battling for the AL West title there. So the Astros lose. And the Rangers are losing, so that's going to come right down to the wire in the AL West between those two teams. Well, you know, you've had Texas and Houston have been sliding while Seattle has been climbing, so it's very interesting over there. And the one thing I want to say about Seattle quickly, Andy, is what a job Scott Service has done as manager of that team. I mean, they were off to a slow start this year, and then they started ticking it up a notch right after the All-Star break, and you felt like the Mariners may fall short this season and not get in, but they've been playing really well, and they've had great offensive output over the last week or so with the bats that have really catapulted them to a 71-56 and record out of the AL West and find themselves with breathing room for postseason play. Well, they just went on an eight-game winning streak uh, this past week here. They've just been on fire. They've got the team chemistry. They don't look like they're feeling the pressure. They, They look like they're just enjoying going out there and playing every day. They're a fun team to watch, and if they get into the postseason, Andy, they could be a dark horse. Well, yeah, they could go all the way. You know who's fun on that that team? team. Cal Raley, he's a fun player to watch on that team. He's young, he's fast, he's got good power with the bat. Luis Castillo's a good pitcher. They've gotten a good outings from Logan Gilbert. George Kirby's done his part on the mound. Ty France has been a good catalyst for them. J.P. Crawford, he's been good at the shortstop position. So they've had some key guys who have stepped up in big ways over this eight-game win streak, Andy. They're a fun team for sure. Well, you're listening to the Sports Buzz with Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu. Passionate sports talk for the hardcore fan is our daily motto as we come to you live from the great state of New Jersey on this Friday, August 25th, the year 2023. Everybody who's listening in Clubhouse tonight, I welcome you. If you want to come up to the stage, just raise your hand. We have a packed room tonight. All you sports junkies are enjoying hard-hitting, thought-provoking sports talk. You're not going to get this on commercial radio. You're not going to get this on satellite radio, but you're guaranteed to get it on the World Wide Web, and you're guaranteed to get it in podcast form through Apple, Spotify, Google, and wherever you go for your daily audio craving. Sportsbuzzshow1 at gmail.com. Sportsbuzzshow, the number one, at gmail.com. That's where you can email me about any thoughts you have about this podcast, any questions about what's happening in the world of sports or whatever you want to 
reach out to me about, feel free to do so at that address. We'll take a time out. We'll come back and we will delve deep into more of what's happening in the world of sports. Don't go away. Back after this. After I came home from Iraq, I could still hear the booms. Makes it hard to be a good mom. As America's veterans face challenges, DAV is there. I'm Naomi Mathis, Air Force veteran. DAV helps veterans get the benefits they've earned. Thanks to DAV, I was able to begin to heal. With the right support, more veterans can reach victories great and small. My victory is being able to be here for my children. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Naheem Hines, professional football player and proud supporter of the Muscular Dystrophy Association. My mom was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy when I was 14, and I watched her struggle. But MDA helped her get the best treatments and care, and they also help kids like my buddy Ethan. My name is Ethan, and I'm 12 years old. Thanks to the Muscular Dystrophy Association and people like you, I have more hope than ever before. From day one, they've treated me like family at my local care center. MDA is the only one that funds over 150 care centers across the U.S. to help provide state-of-the-art care for adults and kids like me. For over 70 years, MDA has been transforming the lives of people living with muscular dystrophy, ALS, and other related neuromuscular diseases. They fund the research for breakthrough treatments, care, and cures. And MDA provides support to thousands of families like mine and Ethan's in communities like yours. Thanks to MDA, kids and adults can live life to its fullest. Join us and learn more at mda.org today. And welcome back to the Sports Buzz. Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu coming to you live from the East Coast in the state of New Jersey on this Friday, August 25th, the year 2023. And I know basketball is mainly paid attention to in the wintertime, whether it's the NBA or at the collegiate level, but there is a New York team that I have to bring front and center on this evening's broadcast as the New York Liberty out of the WNBA have clinched a playoff spot and the New York Liberty, Andy, have been fun to watch. They've been fun to pay attention to and they will try to make some noise in the WNBA postseason. Yeah, if the playoffs go according to the chalk, they'll be playing the 29-4 and Las Vegas uh, team in the final there. I think they're the Las Vegas Aces. And uh, that's that's been quite a season for Liberty, all right. I think it came at a time that New York needed something, too. Yeah, really. Yeah, after the dreadful baseball season it's been for the Yankees in the Bronx and the Mets in Queens, the New York fan is grasping for anything to latch on to as we inch ever closer, Andy, to a highly anticipated 2023 NFL season kicking off. And the biggest sport will now become front and center as the fall season approaches. And here in the Big Apple... You have the AFC excitement of the New York Jets with Aaron Rodgers leading the way at the quarterback position. It's been a long time since the Jets have hoisted up a Lombardi trophy, Super Bowl three to be exact, when Joe Namath was leading the team at 
quarterback. There's been a lot of noise surrounding this New York Jet team. They got all the pieces there. Now they just got to go to the football field and prove that all of those pieces are going to work out and that success and a winning culture is on the horizons for a football team that has not been great since the Parcells era. I get they got the two AFC championship appearances under Rex Ryan, but let's face it, Andy, the Parcells error was the Jets' success in the city of New York. Yeah, the Rex Ryan teams are fun teams, but the, the Jets, it's going to be a question of how it all fits together there. Uh, and uh, I remember the Jets had quite a bit of excitement in the Red Rex Ryan years. Uh, you know, they could use some of that dedication and toughness that they played with but uh, you've also got to be smart and hopefully that's what Rodgers brings to that team and on the NFC side of things for New York football you have the New York Giants you have a giant team that comes in with second year head coach Brian Dable he's brought a winning formula he's brought a winning culture to this New York football team and They have Wink Martindale back leading the defense, and Mike Kafka will try and continue his success of rebranding Daniel Jones to be that elite quarterback that he needs to be in a very tough NFC East. And we saw Jones go out there and really be dominant with the ground and pound attack tied to Saquon Barkley last season. He looked good in a few drives in this preseason and it is going to be a big year for the quarterback he is going to have to show up in big ways again this season for the New York Giants as the Giants will go out there and try to be more of an air attack offensive team as Darius Slayton Jalen Hyatt Jamison Crowder Jaden Mickens and some key receivers will try and go out there and be catalysts for the Giants' success offensively. Plus, you have the big tight end in Waller who comes over from the Vegas Raiders, Andy, and Waller is a big beast that can help in some short yardage situations for first downs on the football field for the New York Giants. Well, they uh, had a good run pass balance last year, and that's what wins for most NFL teams that are successful. You got to be able to run and pass because uh, one thing sets up the other. So, uh, you know, hopefully uh, they'll have another playoff season in them. Well, my biggest thing with the New York Giants is the fact that I didn't see enough out of Daniel Jones prior to last season. I don't still know how big of a big play quarterback he's going to be for this team. He hasn't had big play drives on the field to tell me, Andy, that he can be an elite big play quarterback. I know he has the ability to lead this team to victory. I just need to see more in long yardage situations for me to have confidence that he's the real deal leading this team at the quarterback position. Well, there have been some teams in the years uh, that have won with uh, a good game manager at quarterback, you know, not somebody flashy. But uh, there have been Super Bowls that have been won by teams with a uh, quarterback who simply doesn't mess up and uh, just has a basic uh, game, which includes a good ground game. And if you have a good defense, uh, you can still win that way. 
And uh, that seems to be the formula for the Giants. You know, you you think back to people like Bob Greasy who went in two Super Bowls to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, you know, there was nothing spectacular about the way he played, but he had a good ground game and he mixed in enough of a passing game and they had a, a stubborn defense and they went undefeated. And there are those kinds of quarterbacks who still win. Uh, Trent Dilfer with the Baltimore Ravens was another one. Doesn't always have to be the flashy quarterback uh, as long as you got a team that works together well. No, and the Giants lost Galladay in the offseason, so you need Darius Slayton and Isaiah Hodgins and key receivers to go out there and be front and center this season for Daniel Jones to have success throwing the football. I'm happy that Saquon Barkley's coming back. I'm happy that he's going to be the main focal point with the ground and pound attack for the New York Giants, and we have to hope that they can build on that 10-7 and record last season and hope that they are even better this year as they get ready for a new season, but they have a very tough schedule, and their biggest task is going to have to be going out there and solving the Dallas Cowboys opening night, September 10th, the NBC Sunday night football game at MetLife Stadium. That is going to be their first task of trying to get a win on the board. Well, yeah, it's a week-by-week process, and as we've seen, uh, we know as well as anybody because we're making picks on these games every week, and you see just how uh, up and down these teams can be. Uh, You know, you can be playing a team that's 0-3, but all of a sudden you catch them on a week when everything clicks for them, and, uh, you know, you can never take a a game for granted or an opponent for granted in the NFL. You really have to have that consistency and be able to bounce back from a loss you know don't let a loss turn into a losing streak and that's what it takes to to get through the long haul into the playoffs yes Andy and coming off of a 10 and 7 season the over and under for the New York football Giants for the 2023 season is eight and a half I think they will win 10 games this season. I think they will go to 10 and 7 again. So I like the over on that 8.5 for the New York Giants. I know they got a tough schedule, but there's something telling me that they can go out there and be dominant in the NFC East. They got a very good defense. You know, the defense is going to get you turnovers. They got a good offense. They got Barkley coming back. We've seen some strides from Daniel. Jones I'm feeling comfortable saying over eight and a half for the New York Giants from a win-loss perspective for 2023 you yeah I think they could even maybe win 11 games uh they showed last year that they could beat good teams uh, I remember they beat the Ravens uh they, they won a few games against good teams if they play their game they can do a lot of good things if they just uh build on what they did last year and uh, maintain that same philosophy that they have. And, and they've got talented players, too. They, uh, they could have a good season. I could see 11 wins. I certainly think they're underestimated with, uh, with the over-under line there. The Dallas Cowboys will get ready to kick off the 2023 season against the New York Giants here in New York. Their over-under is nine and a half. Big year for the Dallas Cowboys. Mike McCarthy takes over the play calling. He will try and retool the quarterback, Dak Prescott, and make Dak Prescott a huge phenom in Dallas. 
Dak Prescott came to the Dallas Cowboys with a lot of confidence from owner Jerry Jones. And every year you try to think the Cowboys are going to climb the hurdle and make a big run. Every year they seem to compete in the NFC East. But when it gets to the postseason, they seem to fall flat. This is a big year for Mike McCarthy as head coach. It's a big year for Dak Prescott at the quarterback position. And it's a big year for the Dallas Cowboys to try and turn the page and get some postseason winning success in Jerry Jones's venue of AT&T Stadium. So the nine and a half for the over with Dallas. If Dak is on, I think Dallas could be an 11 win football team. They could also be a nine-win football team. Uh, they've been a team that, uh, as you uh, have already eloquently stated, uh, does not come up big in the big games. And uh, something there that does not really uh, inspire me to, in terms of them having a great record. Uh, they'll win their share of games, but uh, they'll have it tough in the NFC East this year because uh, Washington is probably going to be better and the Giants are They've already established that they can win, and the Giants uh, are on the upswing. So, uh, and then you've got the, the Eagles, the monsters of the division. So, you know, just on being in a tough division there, I, I don't see Dallas sweeping any of those teams in the Eastern Division. And don't forget, their defense under Dan Quinn last year was also a significant highlight to their success on the football field week in and week out. Their defense won them a lot of those games last year with getting key turnovers late, making it key stoppages late. It kept them in games. Speaking of the Washington Commanders, Andy, they will get ready to kick off the twenty. 20- 23 season with Ron Rivera as head coach, new ownership in place, some question marks surrounding upper management. Eric Bieniemy comes over from the Chiefs to try and retool a team that needs retooling at the quarterback position. They will try and make Sam Howell to be a hero in Washington for the Commanders as he will be the starting quarterback under center at the start of this season and the over and under for the Washington Commanders as play begins in just two weeks is seven and a half. I don't think the Commanders are going to win seven games this season. I think it's a rebuild. I think that with the new ownership, it's going to be a season where they try to work the kinks out see what Howell has to offer. I think it could be a season where Ron Rivera could be on the hot seat, and ultimately I think it's going to take Eric Bieniemy time to really get an offensive system that's going to work for the commanders and make them gel nicely on the football field. Plus, they have a tough schedule. I could see the commanders winning five or six games tops this season. They may get seven. Uh, I like Rivera as a coach. I think he's one of the best coaches in the league. He could steal a few games. And uh, they've got the makings of a good team there. It'll uh, it'll probably be a growing pains year. But they'll, they'll win some surprising games, I think. Uh, I like Rivera and uh, the way his teams play. They may be a team that's a little bit underestimated. But once again, given the... Any given week, uh, nature of the NFL, uh, they could surprise a few teams this year. 
And the biggest team in the NFC that's vying to make a second consecutive run to a Super Bowl, Andy. What a magical year they had last year, led by Jalen Hurts at the quarterback position. They are a team that is stacked. They do lose Sanders, though, which could hurt them a little bit. But the Eagles are going to be back and primed and ready to make another deep run in this NFL season. They have a very tough schedule, though. They kick off at New England week one they play in LA against the Rams they have to travel to play the Jets they play in Kansas City they play the Bills they play the 49ers they have a very tough schedule the Philadelphia Eagles so we don't know if it's going to be as an easy of a ride as it was last season but right now going into this new season they should be the favorite coming out of the nfc east well that's the way the scheduling goes in the nfl if if you're a super bowl team you're going to play a tough schedule you know the the better season you have the better schedule you have the next year that's how they try to maintain parity as well as uh, their rules about draft and salary caps and all that they will miss uh, Miles Sanders, but uh, they do have such a good offensive line that the next man up in the running back spot uh, may have just as good a year this year just because they're running behind such a good line. And uh, Hertz is, you know, he, he just grew uh, by leaps and bounds. He could have another great year because uh, he seems like he takes things in stride. I don't think anything has gone to his head. He in fact, it may motivate him even more that they did not win the Super Bowl, even though they had a pretty good lead at halftime there. Uh, I think uh, those guys are, are certainly dedicated to getting back there, and they've got the players to do it. Yeah, they lost the offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen, who is now the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. They lost the defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, who will now roam the sidelines for the Arizona Cardinals in Phoenix as he will bring his defensive approach to a Cardinals team that really needs more work on the offensive side than the defensive side. That always happens to winning teams. You know, the coordinators... uh, uh, you know, because they are part of a successful uh, team like that, uh, they get offers, and uh, that's how it evolves in the NFL. The Eagles, I don't think they'll win 14 games again, but they could certainly win 12 or 13 and lead the division again. Then you have the NFC North. A lot of teams seem to be riding high on the Detroit Lions. The Lions were a fun team last season. They played hard for head coach uh Campbell and company Jared Goff had a decent year at the quarterback position for the Lions last year they're over and under entering the 2023 season is nine and a half they were close to making the postseason last year but fell short because they needed help and that help couldn't uh get them in the postseason but they kept Aaron Rodgers and the Packers out by getting a very big win on the road in Lambeau in minus four degree weather to close out the 2022 season last year they will enter this year nine and a half with the over and under Andy I think the Lions could be a formidable team out of the NFC North and I think they are going to battle and play tough I could see the Detroit Lions winning 10 games this season and trying to get in as a wild card yeah I think they'll be right there in a mix too with that uh, 10 game uh, 
plateau because uh, yeah they really showed me something the way they went to Green Bay and beat the elements and everything and and won that won that game and uh, they were also a tough team for the Eagles last year they uh, they had one of the higher point totals in uh, the Eagles wins last year they they weren't a blown out team they they were competitive against the Eagles so they can play the good teams uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see the Lions make the playoffs this year. Another team that should be tough, but you have to wonder if Kirk Cousins has it in him to finally get over the hump with this team is the Minnesota Vikings. They didn't have a ton of big playability last year. Their defense was okay, not great. They go into this season, they lose their star running back in Dalvin Cook, who will now suit up and put on the helmet for the New York Jets behind Aaron Rodgers at the quarterback position to try and get the Jets a Super Bowl title. And the Minnesota Vikings come into this season, Andy, with a lot of question marks and an over-under of eight and a half. I don't know if the Vikings are going to be as formidable as they've been in years past. I could see them winning eight games. Yeah, they, they seem to be a, a downside team. Yeah, seven or eight may be the best they could do this year. Uh, you know, it's funny, on uh, one of those NFL Network shows, uh, recently I heard something funny where they're doing trivia questions. question was, what team has lost the most postseason games of any NFL team? And it was the Vikings. Uh, with a big number. <laughs> I should check that out now before we, we leave the area. The, the answer to that trivia question was the Minnesota Vikings, and I'll check on that. Boy, uh, only if we had a gift certificate to the Laughing Lion, that would have made it yeah, all right. that yeah, much more. Do those trivia things. I'm going to look that one up right now to confirm. Well, while you're looking that up, I'll continue with the overs-unders, Andy. Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears could have a big year this season as they try to make their way in the NFC North. They're over and under is seven and a half. I still think the Bears are rebuilding. I don't think they have enough pieces. There's not enough in their secondary from a defensive perspective. I think the offensive line is suspect to say the least. I think it's going to be another rebuilding year for the Chicago Bears. We could see Justin Fields make a little bit more progress this year at the quarterback position, but I think the Bears are going to be maybe a 6-7 win team tops. Okay, here we go. I looked it up. The Minnesota Vikings have recorded the most playoff losses, 31 whereas the Detroit Lions have the lowest playoff win-loss percentage, holding a 7-13 record. The Houston Texans have the fewest games played, wins, and losses in NFL playoff history. But, yeah, the Minnesota Vikings have the most playoff losses with 31. Wow. Glad I'm not a Vikings fan. So uh, <laughs> the over and under, Andy, for the Bears was 7.5. I said I think they'll be a six-win team. Yeah, they may even be a four or five win team. Uh, they've got issues over there. They've got to, to, to get a process together to, and take a couple of wins to get back up there. Another team, they've been dominant in the NFC North for practically a decade now. The Green Bay Packers come into this season with a lot of question marks on the offensive side of the football. LaFleur hasn't been a big-time head coach since he's come to the Green Bay Packers. There hasn't been a 
huge amount of winning success with him in the leadership role of head coach. And now he will have to try and hope that Jordan Love can become front and center and make his debut as rookie quarterback for the Green Bay Packers a successful one as all of the steam has been taken out of the Green Bay Packers here as they are in rebuild mode with a lot of question marks. Ted Thompson team seems to think that the loss of Aaron Rodgers isn't a big deal, yet every time we saw Jordan Love in a backup role for the Packers, it's been a nightmarish performance, to say the least. So the confidence level entering this season with Jordan Love at the quarterback position for the Packers is very low as far as I'm concerned. They're over-under is seven and a half. I think if we're lucky, Andy, the Packers could be a four or five win football team. Well, the Beatles would say, all you need is love, love. But uh, being realistic, uh, yeah, it's, uh, except for the Detroit Lions, that's kind of a downside division there. And uh, yeah, the Packers could have a rough time of it this year. Four wins, five wins, it could be uh, it could be tough, uh, a tough uh learning year for their new quarterback out of the nfc south a division that doesn't open many eyes when it comes to competitiveness on the football field it's been a very weak division in years past it was normally dominated by breeze payton and the saints and this year it could be dominated by the saints with Derek carr coming over from the vegas raiders at the quarterback position for dennis allen at head coach, I think the Saints could be a significant storyline. They're over and under is nine and a half. I think the Saints could be a 10-win team, but I also think a team like the Atlanta Falcons with first-year quarterback Desmond Ritter, who has a lot of promise and had a great uh, career at the college level, I think the Falcons could also make some noise in that NFC South and with the Saints. So I think the Saints could be 10 wins. And I think the Falcons with an over-under of eight, I think the Falcons could be a seven-win team with the under. Yeah, the Saints and Falcons has been a real good rivalry in that division uh, through the years, and they've certainly been the dominant teams. Uh, I wouldn't sell the Falcons short. I think they've got a lot of talent all over the field. And uh, they could be the kind of team that makes an inexperienced quarterback better. Yeah, I would say the Falcons might be a 500 team this year. Former Indianapolis Colts coach Frank Reich will now be roaming the sidelines for the Carolina Panthers, and he will have his young quarterback in Bryce Young take to the football field and lead the offense for the Carolina Panthers. Frank Reich, a great play caller. If he puts the right system there, he can have the quarterback flourish at that position. I think the Panthers are in a rebuild mode. I'm confident with Frank Reich at the head coaching position that this is a team that can 
make gains every single week that they take to the football field. But when you look at Carolina this year, there's a lot of youth there with not a ton of veterans. I think it's going to take time for them to gel, Andy. The over-under 7.5, I think they can win six games on the football field for Bryce Young at the quarterback position with year one with Frank Reich at the helm as head coach. Well, Frank Reich was a really good NFL quarterback, and he engineered some some really good comebacks, and he did it in the playoffs too. Uh, you know, with the Buffalo Bills, he was uh, highly uh, one of the best backup quarterbacks around, who ended up getting a lot of chances to play in big games. And uh, so, you got a good coach there for a developing quarterback. So the future uh, isn't bad for that team, but as far as this year, I wouldn't uh, expect them to win much more than five or six games. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers come into the 2023 season with a six and a half over under for the 2023 season. They announced earlier this week that Baker Mayfield, the former Cleveland Browns quarterback, will be the starting quarterback in Tampa. If Mayfield has the right pieces around him, I think he can be a lethal weapon at the quarterback position. I'm not high on Todd Bowles. I don't think Todd Bowles is a great coach. I don't think he's good with clock management. I don't think he's the right fit for Baker Mayfield. He's a defensive-minded coach, so I think it's going to be a work in progress for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers starting this 2023 season. I think Mayfield is a step up at the quarterback position, not a step up from Tom Brady, but a step up from other options that they could have went with at that position. So I think the Buccaneers could feel confident with Mayfield at quarterback. I think they're a six-win football team in the NFC South. Yeah, and after uh, their recent playoff success that they have had, uh, you know, people don't like uh, to see that all go south, but... Yeah, I'm afraid a lot of people will be calling them the Yuckineers instead of the Buccaneers. <laughs> They'll win a few, but uh, not many. And then out of the NFC West, you have Kyle Shanahan and the great play-calling agility he has with the San Francisco 49ers. We saw the success with Brock Purdy last year, but will he be able to continue that momentum this season for a 49ers team that... There's a lot of high expectations for them to get back to the postseason this year. We know they have a good defense. We know they play fundamentally sound in all phases on the football field. It's just a matter of Brock Purdy going out there and being that same catalyst last year and transforming that into success and wins on the football field this season. That is yet to be determined but with an over-under of 11.5, I think the 49ers, if all goes right for them, they could be 13-4 and four when all is said and done. They got all the pieces there to repeat. Oh, yeah. When you talk about Brock Purdy, he reminds me of a certain uh, quarterback who was not a high draft pick, and he was a backup quarterback who got a chance to play in the playoffs because uh, the starter was hurt and Talking about a guy named Tom Brady, who uh, we came to know pretty well the next few years. Purdy's uh, a good quarterback. I mean, yes, it's the San Francisco's credit that they had the quarterback injuries they did, and they still ended up in the conference final game, and they beat the Cowboys to get there. 
Purdy was a hot quarterback there, and he showed a lot of skill and uh, a lot of poise. Took an injury to take him out. I think he'll pick right up and uh, continue an amazing career. I think the 49ers uh, are, are good for their over and under. A solid team. Another gritty team out of the NFC West, veteran potential Hall of Fame head coach and Pete Carroll, Geno Smith, was resurrected last season, comeback player of the year at the quarterback position for the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks were a fun, gritty team to watch last year. I think they'll be competitive in the NFC West. Do I think they'll win the division? No, but I could see the Seahawks winning nine or ten games this season and trying to eye a wild card spot when all is said and done. They're a good competitive team. I like their coach. Uh, I like everything about that team. And uh, you know, one thing too, uh, back in uh, 2014 when New Jersey had its one and only Super Bowl that we hosted, and I. Uh, I was on the Super Bowl host committee that year, and I got to talk to some fans who were uh, staying, you know, overnight. Who some some of the Seattle fans and some of the Seattle players, the Seattle players uh, just could not say enough good things about their fans. Uh, if you listen to people in Seattle, uh, Seattle has the best football fans anywhere, and I think it is a big part of their uh, success every year. Uh, they've got that going for them in addition to good coaching and some uh, talented key positions. Uh, I think Seattle will be right there in the playoffs making a lot of noise this year. Another team that's been rebounding but hasn't been able to get over the hump, the Arizona Cardinals. They had success back in the Bruce Arians era, but since Arians left that team, Andy, things have not bode well for the Arizona Cardinals. Bidwell, the owner, has been lackluster to say the least. Every season he seems to be hiring a new head coach. There doesn't seem to be any type of stability within that franchise. They go out in the offseason. You know they need work on the offensive side, and they go and get a defensive-minded head coach in Jonathan Gannon, who was the former defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. He will now come to the Arizona Cardinals, and he will try to hopefully retool a defense that did not do well last year. But you know what? Listen, it's up to Kyler Murray this season to get the job done and the team's recent strong draft bodes well for the future, but the upcoming season is likely to present significant challenges. So we don't know how competitive they'll be over under five and a half. I think the Cardinals could be a four win football team. Well, you know, the Cardinals, it seems like uh, they're always playing exciting games, shootouts, <laughs> games with exciting finishes. Uh, if they had a better defense, I think they would have won more games than they did last year. Uh, but uh, they were always a uh, good team when they were in an underdog spot. It seems like uh, you know they were always a tough, tough team to beat. But yeah, again, yeah, they didn't have the defense. It's hard to say just where they'll go because uh, they've got talent on that team. They've got a quarterback, and uh, if they just improve a little bit on defense, uh, they could be a big winner. They're in a tough division, so I guess they're a middle-of-the-pack team for now. Two years ago, the L.A. Rams were a fun storyline in the NFL. They won a Super Bowl for Sean McVay and company, Andy. But since then, there's been murmurs that McVay may hang it up soon and retire, that he could have a broadcast future. 
ahead of him in the broadcast booth and they have an aging quarterback in Matthew Stafford who was injured last year and so was Cooper Cup. Those guys are going to have to step up in a big way for the LA Rams if they want to make a run in the NFC West this season and it's really going to come down to Matthew Stafford and what he can do at the quarterback position to help this team get over the hump and be competitive again against the Niners and Seahawks, who will probably be better than them when all is said and done. The Rams enter the 2023 season with an over-under of 7.5. I have a funny feeling, Andy, it's going to be a backward season for the L.A. Rams. I don't think there's going to be many wins to be had there in a tough NFC West. I think six wins tops for the L.A. Rams this season with Sean McVay at head coach. Yeah, they're in a tough division, and uh, yeah, I don't see them winning more than six either. They won that Super Bowl a couple of years ago with a good defense. Uh, they weren't an outstanding uh, offensive team. You know, they had a, a good game manager. Quarterback was the way I saw it, and uh, some of the pieces aren't there that were there then, so they're building, and uh, it'll be a difficult season. Now we'll round out quickly the AFC side of things as the AFC East, which will probably be a very competitive division this year. The the Buffalo Bills will enter play for 2023 against the New York Jets for a week one matchup, and their over-under is 10.5, Andy. Listen, we know Josh Allen and the athleticism he has at the quarterback position. We know the Bills have many weapons. There's been murmurs of Diggs possibly wanting to be traded out of Buffalo. You know, DeMar Hamlin comes back after that season-ending injury against the Bengals on the road last year. He will put a uniform on for the first time since that injury and get back out on the football field and be a big, vital component to that Bills defense. It's going to be a big year for Buffalo. McDermott has been a good fit at the head coaching position there for the Buffalo Bills, but this is a big year. They fell short in the postseason last year. That Hamlin injury was in the back of their heads throughout. They were flat in the postseason. They couldn't make a deep run. This is a team that has been giving you Super Bowl aspirations year in and year out, and they're a team that tells you every offseason they're going to have a good shot at getting to the Super Bowl, and I think this year will be another big year. Whenever you have Josh Allen leading your team offensively, you know you can get some key significant wins when you need them, and as a matter of fact, I know we're not giving NFL picks, but something tells me that the Buffalo Bills are going to win week one on the road at the Meadowlands. I think think they'll be a 12-win team with an over-under of 10.5. Yeah, I have the same feeling. Uh, the Buffalo Bills are right up there. They're one of the elite NFL teams right now, and they've been playing together. I think uh, they're a team with good team chemistry, very positive. Everything you look at that team is positive. They could give anybody a run for the, for the Super Bowl title this year, and misfortune for the Jets to be in a division with those guys. I think especially uh, the Jets are kind of like they may have a rough start and then get it in gear and 
be right there at the end. Buffalo is more likely to be a team that goes into the season, uh, you know, with every everything clicking uh, while the Jets are just still figuring things out for their first couple of games. So, uh, yeah, I'd, whatever number you want to give Buffalo, I think they could reach it and possibly exceed it. I mean, they could be a 15-win team. I mean, they're that good. And then, Andy, you have a young team with a young head coach and Mike McDaniels and a big quarterback in Tua Tungavailoa who is injury-prone. The concussion syndrome got the best of him last season, and you need to hope that he can be healthy this year and lead the Dolphins to some victories on the football field. The Dolphins were a fun young team last year. Mike McDaniel seems to be a good fit as head coach for this team. Now it's really up to the quarterback to get this team back on the map and back to their winning ways. They're over under entering the 2023 season is nine and a half. I think if they play their cards right and they play competitive, I think the Dolphins could win 11 games and find themselves in postseason play when all is said and done. They could be, but uh, yeah, more likely that uh, there'll be a nine or 10 win team uh, so much depends on the quarterback uh, staying healthy and then you have the new england patriots a new england patriots team where the pressure is mounting on bill belichick to try and turn the tide since the brady error and get this team back on the map with winning success we know that bill belichick is a top tier hall of fame head coach we get that but i do believe the patients are running thin for robert Kraft, the owner i do think he wants to start seeing the patriots back in the postseason i think he wants to see some steadiness at the quarterback position i think he wants to see that problem solved very quickly for the New England Patriots this year. As last year, the quarterback position was very problematic for them. One week it was Mac Jones, the next week it was Bailey Zappi, the next week it was Mac Jones, the next week it was Bailey Zappi. So you need to hope that the Patriots can find success early with their decision at quarterback and that it can all form right for that team this season. They do add Ezekiel Elliott to the ground and pound attack. So from that perspective, New England will be dangerous. They do have a good receiving core. They always play tough defensively. Every Belichick team that takes to the football field always goes out there and gives you a good 60 minutes of defense during a game. So the defense isn't a concern with New England. It's the offense and the quarterback position. They have a tough schedule, but if they can get a few early wins under their belt, I think they can be an eight-win team. They'll fall short of the postseason, but they can build upon that with Mac Jones and some stability at the quarterback position. Well, you know, uh, Belichick, before this run of success, uh, started with the Patriots in his days as an assistant with the uh, Giants and when he coached uh, Cleveland. He was always known as a defensive coach, in fact, a defensive genius. And then along came the Belichick-Brady era, and uh, Belichick suddenly was uh, winning games with uh, high-scoring teams. But uh, Belichick, to me, has always 
always been and always will be a defensive mind. And, uh, you know, the Patriots have been victims of their own success to some extent, too, because they haven't gotten much out of the draft the last few years. You know, you can't underestimate Belichick because he's so experienced, and uh, I don't think there's a situation in a football game that he's never seen before. So the Patriots will win their share of games, uh, you know, just because uh, Belichick is there, but uh, not looking for a playoff season out of the Patriots by any stretch. Speaking of Lamar Jackson, he waited a long time before he signed a long-term deal to stay at the quarterback position in Baltimore. The Ravens add some offensive weapons with Odell Beckham Jr. and Zay Flowers, who will join Rashad Bateman, Mark Andrews, and J.K. Dobbins, and they will hope to have some success this season, the Ravens. They're a tough team. They've prided themselves year in and year out with that staunch defensive attack that they have on the defensive side of the football. We know the ability that Lamar Jackson can have. It's just about staying healthy. The Ravens have had a ton of injuries. They've had a lot of injuries year in and year out on this team, and they have to hope that they can find a way to stay healthy, that Odell Beckham can add to the mix, that Zay Flowers joining forces will be definitely a positive for them. Their over-under is 9.5 this season. They're in a tough AFC North. I think they can be a 10-win football team if all breaks right for them. But being in the AFC North, Andy, makes me wonder really how good are the Ravens. One thing that could make them a lot better is if Dobbins is healthy because uh, he's a, he's the kind of running back that's perfect for their system. Well, he's, you know, he's, he's a year removed from that knee injury, so he will be a vital force for them. Yeah, he's somebody that they need on the field, uh, healthy as well as Jackson. And uh, Andrews is one of the best tight ends out there. He's uh, almost on a par with a Kansas City tight end. I think the the difference is just that uh, Kansas City's been in those uh, Super Bowls and uh, has, has won big playoff games. But uh, and I think an, uh, and, and I think an interesting facet to all of this is going to be what does Odell. Beckham Jr. add. We know he can be a great wide receiver. We know he can fit into the offensive game plan. We just also know that he can be a headache. He could be a distraction, that his antics could become a little too much for a team week in and week out. So if Odell Beckham can come in here and just be a purebred football player and work under the system that Lamar Jackson has in place, then I think it'll work out for him and his tenure as the Baltimore Raven, he is going to be vital to that team's success this season, Andy, on the football oh, yeah. field. Really an important pickup for them because uh, Jackson, uh, for a while, did not have a real good uh, wide receiver set to work with. Of course, their system has been they established a run and then the passing game opens up and uh, Beckham could be the, the perfect guy for that. You just hope that he's a more mature player sees that he has been given an opportunity by a team that's uh, all about winning. And, uh, you know, if, you know, like uh, look, Randy Moss is a good example of a guy who uh, was a headache for coaches, but yet when you teamed him up with uh, Brady and had him on the Patriots, he had a record-breaking year as a receiver. 
And uh, you just hope that Beckham is a team player, more mature player, and and he'll get his chances to catch passes on that team because uh, they need him. He will be their number one receiver if he's got his head together and he's healthy. And then you have the Cincinnati Bengals, a fun team to watch, a talented team. They got a great receiving core. They got a great ground and pound attack with Joe Mixon. They got a huge quarterback in Burroughs who has just been the the lead catalyst offensively for that team. They're going to start this season without Burrow. He will be out two to three weeks to start the season, possibly be back in week four. He had that calf injury early on in training camp that he is suffering from but the Cincinnati Bengals have an extremely tough schedule this year for the 2023 season their over under is 11 and a half Andy and in the AFC North with as tough of a division that is year in and year out every win for the Cincinnati Bengals is going to matter when all is said and done if they want to get to postseason football I think if all breaks right and Burrow comes back healthy and he can get himself back into shape after that calf injury then I think they could win 11 games the Bengals but if he comes back later than expected you may be looking at a 10 or 9 win team here yeah it's uh, all a matter of uh, you know if they're in the playoffs and Joe Burrow's in his stride they could go all the way but uh, as for a season long uh, how many games they going to win uh, it's a hard one to call but I'd give them 10 wins they may win a couple of games before Burrow comes back It's going to be a big year for Kevin Stefanski and the Cleveland Browns as Deshaun Watson needs to show up in a big way and become that quarterback that he was in his Houston Texans days. And the Cleveland Browns over under for this season are eight and a half, Andy. I don't think the Browns are going to be as good as some people seem to think they can be. I think the quarterback needs to step up in a big way. I think there's holes on the defensive side of the football, and I think that there's some linebackers there that need some work. So I think the Cleveland Browns could be an eight-win team when all is said and done for 2023. Eight or less. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. uh I think Cleveland Browns fans, uh, you know, as a Mets fan, you probably understand what the how the Cleveland Browns fans feel. I mean, you want to talk about a team that's had disappointment piled upon disappointment year after year. Who's been more snake bit than the Cleveland Browns? Yeah, seven wins. You know, they usually do win a couple of games in that division. You know, get fired up for playing the Steelers or the Bengals or the Ravens, but. Uh, you know, they usually pick up a win or two in the division with inspired, uh, you know, give it their all, and, and then they fall flat again the next week. Uh, so uh, not looking for too much out of Cleveland. So the Pittsburgh Steelers come into this season, Andy, with one of the best leaders roaming the sidelines in Mike Tomlin. He seems to finish 500 or better every season. They come into this season with Pickett, 
as he enters his second year at the quarterback position. They finished 9-8 and eight last season, won their last four games, but needed help to get into the postseason, fell short of postseason play. But this is going to be a big year for Pickett at the quarterback position, and we know what T.J. Watt can do, and we know what they can do offensively. So I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be a fun team. I think they could have a very big year Andy and surprise some people and they may be a dark horse out of the AFC they're over and unders eight and a half I think the Steelers could win 10-11 games their schedule isn't so hard their schedule is doable for them to have a good season yeah sure why not uh talking about a team with a great tradition and a great fan base and uh you know those things can keep a team going uh and uh, Pickett will probably keep improving. You know, he's uh, he's got a good situation there. They certainly, you can't say anything bad about the coaching over there. So, uh, yeah, their team on the upswing for sure. And, and uh, that's a real competitive division. Those teams uh, seem to take turns uh, beating each other. It seems like, you know, nobody ever sweeps another team in that division. There, there's, I know from, you know, you're doing – picks every week and you usually look at those NFC North interdivision games and say, oh my God, anybody could win this one. They're a playoff contender to be sure. They are, Andy, and then you have a weaker division in the AFC South, an AFC South division that could go a few different ways as we enter the 2023 football season. You have the improving Jacksonville Jaguars with head coach Doug Peterson and Lawrence at the quarterback position and the job that Doug Peterson did last year coming back and beating the uh, LA Chargers last year and the strides that they made offensively in the good defense and the fundamentally sound play on the field week in and week out. The Jaguars are definitely a fun young team that's well coached and they're well versed in many different areas. I think it's going to be another big year for Lawrence as quarterback and I think Doug Peterson is going to just do another that he has to to get this team into the postseason. They're over-unders, nine and a half. I think they'll win ten games. Trevor Lawrence is a a terrific talent. And, uh, you know, I think the world of Doug Peterson, he won a Super Bowl coach in the Eagles, so you're never going to hear me say anything bad about him. He's uh, football royalty in uh, Philadelphia here. He's certainly a good coach for an emerging quarterback. Uh, yeah, Jacksonville's going to be pretty good this year. Yeah, 11 wins, yeah, very possible for them. Another team, Andy, that is well coached with Mike Vrabel at head coach, but when is Ryan Tannehill going to step up in a big spot and get this Tennessee Titan team over the hump? I don't think it's going to be a good year for the Tennessee Titans. The question mark's going to be the quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, and how much he could do at that position to get this team key wins when they need them. So I think it's going to be a very skeptical season for the Tennessee Titans and it's really hard to pinpoint if they're going to have a winning record or a losing record when all is said and done they're over under seven and a half I think the Titans could be an eight win team at best 
Last year, uh, I thought the Titans were going to be good, and uh, they weren't as good as I thought they would be. They do have uh, that running game, but uh, otherwise, uh, they're kind of middle of the pack. Eight wins uh, sounds about right. And then you have the Indianapolis Colts who come into this season with a new head coach and Shane Steichen, but he also makes a decision to go with a rookie quarterback and Anthony Richardson. A lot of people were very surprised at that decision. A lot of people thought it was going to go to Gardner Minshew to start the season, but apparently Steichen seems to think that Richardson is the guy to lead this team to victory, but there does seem to be some turmoil in the locker room already as Jonathan Taylor, their star running back, seems like he wants out in Indianapolis and he's ready to move on. We know the owner could be very odd at times in Jim Ursay. The Colts are rebuilding to say the least. I think it's going to be a year where they take to the football field, they try to work out the kinks, but I don't think there's going to be much winning success for first-year head coach Shane Steichen and rookie quarterback Anthony Richardson. They enter the 2023 season with a over-under of six and a half, Andy. I think at best, if they're lucky, the Colts could be a five-win football team when all is said and done. Well, yeah, if they don't have Jonathan Taylor, he was... Uh major part of their offense last year. If they don't have him, uh, they're in bad shape. If they do have a good season out of Taylor, yeah, they'll win a few uh, five or six games. That's about all I see for them. Yeah, they're, uh, they'll have a quarterback who's uh, learning the league for a year, and uh, I don't see great things for them this year, no. No, Andy, and then you have the Houston Texans, a team that is rebuilding the last several years, a team that comes into this season with C.J. Stroud, not knowing if he's going to be the starting quarterback or are they going to go with David Mills or are they going to go with Case Keenum under first-year head coach D'Amico Ryans. D'Amico Ryans comes into this season his first year as a defensive-minded head coach, so it's going to be interesting to see what he brings to the forefront for a Houston Texans team that has just had a coaching carousel year in and year out as it's been a revolving door for that uh, leadership role within this organization. They've been a very erratic franchise. They've been a franchise that have made some bad moves over the last several years, and you would have to hope now that D'Amico Ryans can come in here and try and find some solitude with this team and get this team back to their winning ways and get the Houston fans back into what Houston Texans football used to be about, and that was winning week in and week out. Well, they didn't maintain that. <laughs> They've got some work to do. Uh, yeah, they uh building year, hopefully, and don't see much more than a five-win year. Well, the over-under is five and a half. I think four wins at best. And then we go to the AFC West to round out this year's over-unders for the NFL. And listen, the AFC West has been dominated by 
Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Kansas City Chiefs. We know they lose offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, but Reid is the catalyst behind the play calling for the Chiefs offense. He has been year in and year out. Listen, until somebody can go out there and beat Patrick Mahomes in a big spot in an AFC championship game, it is theirs to lose at the start of this season. I think this Chiefs are a big favorite to open up the 2023 season. They're over-unders, 11.5. I think they're going to win 12 or 13 games. And when all is said and done, Andy, I think they'll be back in an AFC championship to round out the 2023 season. Yeah, you can't pick against them. Uh, you talk about a guy with determination to win. I mean, last year's Super Bowl, Mahomes limped off the field. It uh, looked like uh, he was done. And then in the second half, there he is, there he is nimbly scrambling around, making plays, doing everything that Patrick Mahomes does. And uh, I really had to admire the guy because uh, he was hurting. I mean, uh, he couldn't have blamed him if he said, hey, coach, I just can't do it today. But his will to win was so big that he overcame that, and uh, he played his uh, usual great second half in spite of uh, the pain he was laboring with. So, you know, you can't put anything past that Kansas City team, and the, they've got the coaching, and they've got uh, great players at every position. You know, I can't go against them. Uh, 14 wins, 15 wins. Yeah, why not? We know he could be great, Andy. He's just really got to get over the hump, and I think Brandon Staley's stay as head coach for the L.A. Chargers could be short-lived if they don't exceed expectations this year. It's going to be a big year for Justin Herbert. They have the pieces there to win. The head coach seems to be the biggest failure right now for this team. He's horrible in late-game situations. He's horrible in clock management. He lost a huge playoff game that they had in the win column against the Jackson Jaguars in that wild card round last season. That's going to come back and haunt them. You don't know how much of a distraction that devastating loss is going to be for the Chargers entering this season. It will be a huge year for them. We know how special Herbert could be. He needs the pieces around him and the head coach to make the right calls when needed to get this team some more winning success on the football field. They're over-unders nine and a half. I think if things break their way, the Chargers could be a 10-win team with an eye towards postseason play as a wild card. They've got a quarterback all right. I still can't understand why they left San Diego for Los Angeles. I mean, Los Angeles has always been a Rams town, and uh, I never thought the – they had bad fans in San Diego. San Diego is a good sports town. Uh, yeah, I don't think they have a real enthusiastic fan base. I know uh, the Eagles uh, played there uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, the stadium was like full of Eagles fans out there in San Diego. They're in the wrong city there. Uh, you know, L.A. doesn't need a second team, and I don't know why San Diego went there. Still, they've, they've gotten a dynamite electric quarterback, and uh, they could – he can win a lot of games for them, and 10 wins uh, would be a reasonable expectation for them. 
And will the quarterback whisperer in Sean Payton, who returns to the sidelines in the AFC as the lead guy for the Denver Broncos at the head coach position as he tries to retool Russell Wilson to his glory days from when he was a Seahawk and a very successful quarterback? Will Sean Payton have some exciting times in Denver this season. They're over-unders eight and a half. The Broncos have a very tough schedule. I know Sean Payton's coming in in year one, but I don't know if one year's enough for him to retool the quarterback, Andy. I think the Broncos could be a good team if all goes well. They did lose Derek Judy to an injury earlier today, so that is going to hurt them a little bit at the start of the season and the questionable return for him could play dividend throughout the first part of this season. So that's going to be interesting to see how all that plays out. I do like Sean Payton. I think Russell Wilson still has it in him to be a top-tier quarterback. I just don't know if the AFC West is going to be friendly to them this season. I think it's going to be more of a rebuild for Sean Payton than it is going to be instant winning success. Their over-under is 8.5. If they're lucky, I give them 9 wins. Yeah, one thing Denver has going for them, they've got uh, a great home field advantage. Uh, They're one of the toughest places for teams to play, not only because of... uh, wild and crazy vocal fans, but also because uh, they kind of just to the higher altitude when you go to Denver. But away from home, uh, Denver's been pretty mediocre, and last year they just uh, gave some games away. I don't expect them to be uh, that bad this year. But uh, again, given that they're in a conference there with, uh, with, with Kansas City there and and uh, Las Vegas Raiders, I think, are kind of a, a, a tough team in that division, too. They're about a 500 team to me right now. So uh, I'd say in, in a 17-game season, 9-8 uh, and eight is about 500. That's about what I think they'll do. So the Raiders lose Darren Waller. Josh McDaniels, second year at the helm as head coach for the Vegas Raiders. There's quarterback controversy already. The season didn't even start. Do you go with Jimmy Garoppolo or do you go with Aiden O'Connell? That is yet to be determined, but it's going to be a big year For the Vegas Raiders, it's going to be a year where they try to rebound after losing Derek Carr, after losing Darren Waller. They do have Devontae Adams. Josh Jacobs still hasn't signed a contract. You don't even know if he's going to suit up, be in uniform, or run the football at all for this team this season. So a lot of question marks surrounding this Raiders team as they get ready to kick off their 2023 season. I think it could be some frustrating times in Vegas, Andy, with quarterback controversy and no solid foundation yet at the running back position. They're seven and a half over under for the 2023 season. I think right now you would probably call them a six-win football team for the Vegas Raiders to round out the AFC West in the 2023 season. Now, Garoppolo's an uh, experienced quarterback who knows how to win. I would think if they're thinking playoffs, uh, you'd go with a guy uh, with his uh, pedigree there. I know the Raiders are another one of those teams that's always in their games. Uh, they always seems like whenever I 
get a chance to watch them on TV. They're playing high-scoring games. They win some, they lose some. They're a fun watch. Uh, again, these Western teams, except for San Diego, have a real good fan base. See, I called them San Diego. That, uh, the, the L.A. Chargers that I still can't get used to. Except for them, you know, you got some real good fan bases out there in the West, and they play games on the road that are you can't see them winning. They'll be a competitive team in the wild card picture, and I'd say eight wins isn't uh, too much to expect. Should be interesting to see what happens, Andy, as we are just less than two weeks away from the 2023 NFL season kicking off, and it all begins Thursday, September 7th, when the Kansas City Chiefs take to Arrowhead Stadium, get your field in Kansas City to play host to the Detroit Lions for the first game of week one in this year's NFL season. Any final thoughts on the NFL before we take our last break and put a bow on this evening's edition of the Sports Buzz? Well, you know, when you pick NFL games uh, through the week and and you're trying to examine every team every week, yeah, there are, through the course of an NFL season, a lot of surprising games. And so, uh, you know, one reason why I don't want to go too low on the lost totals for any team because teams win unexpected games. Teams have their ups and teams yep. have their downs. So, uh, And for yeah. all you sports junkies listening out there tonight, do remember that in two weeks, yours truly, Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu, will be coming to the microphones every week and will be giving you thought-provoking, hard-hitting sports talk, passionate sports talk for the hardcore fan is our daily motto, but we'll also be giving you one of our favorite segments that we do every single season, our weekly NFL picks. So stay tuned for that as me and Andy always battle it out till the bitter end after 18 weeks Andy we're always like a game or two off from one another standings wise there's always games that uh, surprise you in the NFL Uh, part of it is just trying to pick uh, who's going to have a good week or a bad week this week Uh, sometimes it doesn't even matter who you're playing it's just how you're playing and and uh, again you know the elite teams uh, they're going to roll up their wins but uh, the majority teams in the NFL They're talented enough to win on any given Sunday, but those intangible things sometimes that make the difference in the games, the kinds of things that uh, go on in the locker room or or some team shows up not really as prepared as they should be, a lot of those things that the average, average fan would not have any way of knowing about that end up deciding so many games. So uh makes it interesting. The unpredictability is what makes it interesting. Couldn't agree with you more, Andy. And with that said, we'll take our final break. We'll come back. We'll touch up on college football quickly. We'll finish with some final thoughts, and we will end this evening's edition of the Sports Buzz. Back right after this. We are strong. We are resilient. And we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. 
Did you know there are laws in the U.S. that protect the safety and pay of farm workers? To learn more, call 866-4-US-WAGE. That's 866-4-US-WAGE or visit worker.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Labor. Welcome back to the Sports Buzz. Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu coming to you live from the great state of New Jersey on this Friday, August 25th, 2023. We've given you a lot of sports talk tonight. We've basically centered the conversation around baseball and football as the pigskin will return to the football field tomorrow as the college football season will officially begin and the excitement for college football is not as big as it is for the NFL every year, Andy. But I could tell you one thing, just the fact that football returns makes it must-watch theater for week one tomorrow on the collegiate level. Oh, they're excited in Happy Valley in Pennsylvania, I could tell you that. Uh, I've known a lot of Penn State people over the years, and I root for Penn State, and uh, they're excited. They're roaring to go. Yeah, they think they're going to have a really good year, and so do I. Penn State's going to be one of the top teams this year. I'm looking forward to them playing West Virginia. That's a team Penn State used to play every year before they went into the Big Ten and got away from their East Eastern schedule, but that's a good old rivalry there, and uh and I'm glad to see West Virginia back on the schedule this year. So, Andy, we'll have many weeks to discuss college football. We'll have many weeks to analyze and banty about it here on the Sports Buzz. But as we embark on week one tomorrow, are there any teams that we should pay specific attention to? Are there any teams that you think are going to rise to the top this year that may not have risen to the top last year? Do you think we're going to see teams like LSU and Georgia and elites that we see year in and year out go out there and just be tough again like Alabama? Well, you know, Michigan is ranked high even though uh, Coach Harbaugh has had the problems that he's had. And uh, I guess the early schedule... uh, for Michigan isn't uh, that tough, but... Uh, Don't forget, he'll be suspended for the first three games, too. Yeah, so. knowing that, Michigan still has a high ranking, and so uh, they're thinking that they're good enough they can uh, get off the good start without Harbaugh, and then they'll just uh, pick up from there when he comes back. But uh, I think that uh, Big Ten... Uh, is going to have three real good teams in you know Michigan and Ohio State who are always good, but I think Penn State is is going to join them in terms of being a, a threesome of top ten teams in in that Big Ten. I think Penn State is uh, seventh right now, and they could move up with some big wins. Yeah, I'm really hopeful for a big big season out of Penn State, and. Uh, Another thing about college football this off season, there's been so much uh, conference switching and everything. It's just uh, dizzying. They're playing musical chairs. It looks like the, the old Pac-8, which became the Pac-10 and became the Pac-12. Now it's like down to the Pac-4. <laughs> it's really <laughs> unbelievable what's happening in that sense in football and college sports in general. Yeah, a lot of realignment happening within many conferences in college football, which is going to make it even more enticing to see how some of these teams that have really relied on West Coast travel year in and year out 
mostly traveling to West Coast territories and areas. Now you're going to have West Coast teams traveling to the East and the Midwest to play certain opponents, and that could definitely be a setback for some of these young kids trying to go out there and win key games. I do have to say, though, Andy, that I think Notre Dame could have a big year this year. They come into the season ranked 13th, They weren't great last season. It felt like more of a rebuild last year than it did of a winning formula week in and week out. What is your expectations for Notre Dame this year? It seems like in recent years when there's been high hopes for Notre Dame, they've disappointed. Certainly, they'll they'll be good. I think they're a provisional member of the ACC now, but for football, they're not really a member although they are a full-fledged member for like basketball and baseball and some other sports. And I'll wait and see with Notre Dame because uh, they've had high preseason rankings before, uh, but they haven't delivered. Uh, so I'll wait and see. By all indications, they'll certainly be a top-10 team. And then you have Ohio State. They come into this season ranked number three. You know what Alabama and Nick Saban is going to do. They're going to be very competitive in the SEC. They'll probably be in a big-time postseason formatted game to try and get to a national championship. Georgia will more than likely be a premier team out of the SEC again, again this season as they go for their third consecutive title if there's any team that could be a dark horse this season what team would that be and also what is the expectation for Rutgers and Syracuse the locals here on the east coast well Syracuse was pretty good last year uh Syracuse uh I think they could come off of last year and have another really good year and in the Big Ten uh you know they I know they have to play Penn State, Michigan, or Ohio State every year, but uh, Maryland has a pretty quality uh, football team this year that could go to a good bowl game and win it. They may just knock off a, a good team in a good bowl game this year. I remember last year Maryland gave Ohio State a really tough game. It was a high-scoring game that Ohio State won in the final minutes, and uh, Maryland's a, a really rising team there. Looking at the rest of the country, yeah, hard to say. Uh, USC hasn't had a really big year for a while. They may come up and uh, be a big team. I'd like to see a team like Wisconsin, who's ranked number 19th with new head coach Luke Fickle, who joins forces to lead this team on the sidelines. He comes over from the University of Cincinnati football program. He had them sort of new heights in his six seasons as head coach over there. Luke Fickle needs to turn the tide for the Badgers, and the Badgers need to have a better year than last year. And I hope that Wisconsin can be successful this season out of the Big Ten. They come in ranked 19th in the nation. They're good every year. I mean, they, they've they had some uh, highly ranked teams. So they've got a solid program. You know, Wisconsin didn't have quite a year as, as they've had in the recent past. Uh, they've had some really good teams and really good players. That entire Big Ten is uh, just uh, loaded with uh, good football talent. Are we going to so, get uh, another competitive year out of Penn State? They had a big season last year, Andy. They're ranked seventh in the nation as they get ready for play tomorrow night against the West Virginia Mountaineers. Can Penn State have another big year? Oh, definitely. Penn State's uh, 
had some good good recruiting classes here, and uh, they're ready to go to have a to have a really big year. Uh, they could win the Big Ten. That may not be a pipe dream. <laughs> they uh, they have high expectations over there. Now uh, out on the West Coast, Utah had some uh, good teams recently, and they've uh, made a lot of noise. Uh, I'd say uh, Utah is, is on the rise in college football. And uh, last year, TCU, uh, I know they didn't fare well when they got to the playoffs, but they did get to the playoffs, and they were quite a story last year. So uh, Yeah, TCU would have been one of them dark horse teams. You wouldn't have predicted at the start that yeah. they would be there when all was said and done, and they were. And they didn't only win games, Andy. They bludgeoned teams week in yeah, and week did. out. They had a lot of, like, 50, 55-point scoring victories uh, last season. A lot of games were high scoring. They were entertaining, all right, and uh, they got into the playoffs, which uh, hats off to them because uh, I don't think too many people expected them to do that. So, um, yeah, it's hard to say because college football does have so many of the same teams being so good year after year. It's uh, it's tough to say, but you could maybe see somebody out of the ACC rise, like uh, North Carolina's always had a lot of real good football teams, but... uh, Well, they're ranked 21 in the nation, and they'll play South Carolina tomorrow to begin their season with the pigskin. So it should be interesting to see what North Carolina can do this season. Yeah, they may just build on their recent success and just keep climbing, maybe get into... uh, the range like from between number 10 and number 15 and they they may get a good bowl game and upset somebody but that's been a program that's been uh building itself and getting better better each year yeah the carolina tar heels well andy we'll have many weeks over the coming months to discuss and analyze college football i just wanted to get a feel from you tonight as the season kicks off tomorrow as to what direction you think some of these teams can go in so it's going to be very interesting to get in front of a television set tomorrow and finally see some meaningful football on the football field and before we wrap up this evening's edition of the sports buzz just a few side notes quickly It was very interesting for the New York Yankees as they travel to St. Petersburg, and it'll be a flight that they'll never forget as Clark Smith, who is a starting pitcher for the New York Yankees, his father is a pilot, Andy, and he flies planes for a living. And do you know that the Yankees dealt the flight to St. Petersburg was flown by Clark Smith's dad dwight smith who is a delta pilot that's cool that'll be a flight that clark smith never forgets as his father flew the new york yankees on a delta jet to st petersburg to begin a weekend series where the yankees won the first out of a three-game set six to two but it has been an awful season to say the least, and we will see how the final month fares for the New York Yankees in the Bronx. And with that said, Andy, the anticipation of the fall season, the crisp air slowly coming to the East Coast, there is nothing better than a home-cooked meal on a Sunday afternoon and 
NFL football on the boob tube television set downstairs, and I can't wait for that to happen in the fall months, as Sundays are the best day of the week when the NFL football season finally commences in less than two weeks. Any final thoughts, Andy, to wrap up this evening's edition of the Sports Buzz? Unfortunately, I hate to bring it up, but unfortunately there's going to be those games too that are on these uh, stupid uh, cable networks that you, know, you have to have a subscription to watch them. There's, there's going to be some games that we don't get to see if we don't want to pony up the money to... No, and, and look at it. NFL Red Zone, which thrived on DirecTV. Now you need a YouTube TV subscription that's around $400 if you want to watch NFL Red Zone and get to go to every game to see the play-by-play action on the field. So the NFL makes a ton of money year in and year out, and more and more of these entities continue to go to more and more streaming service and streaming packages it's going to get to a point andy where none of these games are going to be televised on regular tv anymore and to make it the nfl will have killed the golden goose yeah but to have to make it that hard where you gotta make sure that you have an amazon prime account to watch thursday night football how many different streaming accounts are we gonna have to go to to watch a respective game let me turn the television on let me go to channel 2 channel 5 espn or nbc or nfl network for a highlight and let me enjoy one of the best sports that i love to watch year in and year out the fact that i gotta go to all these different streaming services just to consume my sports content week in and week out is asinine. And we're seeing it done more with baseball. Eventually, the NBA is going to go down that road. And eventually, hockey is going to go down that road. And it's going to get to a point, Andy, where the hardcore sports junkie or fan out there becomes so disgusted that they just don't have time to go to these different devices or pay these extra fees to consume what they want on a daily basis when they're yearning for some sports to divert from everyday life. And I think it's ridiculous that every year these leagues and these sports entities are signing up more and more for digital subscription packages. There may be growth behind it, but if you're that eager to garner a younger fan or get a younger fan attentive to your sport there's other ways of going about that than making you have to stream the game digitally and the nfl has so much intertwined with it week in and week out from not only a fan perspective but there's gambling week in and week out there's fantasy football week in and week out there's so much more on the line in an 18-week NFL season than there is with baseball, basketball, and hockey that you would think the NFL would want to be as viewer 
fan-friendly as possible when it comes to going and grabbing their content to watch on a daily basis. How much more money are these sports entities going to bleed from the respective fan that has to go to work every day to put food on the table, to pay monthly bills, to keep a roof over their head? Now you got to go to work to also buy a subscription to watch your content? Eventually... There's going to be a time where I just say dunzo and I go to the internet and I stream it and I watch the game day by the computer to go and get my sports fixation for that week because the more and more streaming services involved, the more and more issues you're going to have. And it's just a crying shame year in and year out that not only do you have to go to a streaming service, but you got to pay extra money to get that service provided to you. And there's about three or four games this year that are going to be in Germany and London at 9.30 in the morning on a Sunday morning that you have to subscribe to ESPN Plus, the digital streaming package, if you want to watch them. Yeah, they're messing up a good thing. Well, we still have our good old radio and newspapers. <laughs> yes, we do. And even with the um, HBO, I haven't seen one Hard Knocks show or episode since it launched because I don't have HBO and I'm not paying an extra monthly fee to watch HBO just to watch Hard Knocks and the love affair for Aaron Rodgers. I don't need to see Hard Knocks to tell me how good the Jets are going to be in the upcoming season. Let me watch the 60-minute play on the field to assess where I think this team is going in a 18-week season this year. Oh, yeah, I feel like I have enough channels. I don't need to be uh, spending money on these stupid things. So, uh, yeah, the NFL and greedy people always have a way of messing up a good thing. Any other final thoughts, Andy? Uh, That's pretty much puts a wrap on it for this week, I would say. Well, Andy, you enjoy your weekend. Enjoy week one of the college football season. Make sure you go to Starbucks and get a nice pumpkin-flavored coffee or a latte or cappuccino or whatever you like as the fall flavors. Oh, I'm, or... I'm a Dunkin' guy. <laughs> well, Dunkin', Starbucks, yeah, coffee's the wall, coffee. The walrus runs on Dunkin'. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like it iced or hot, Andy? During the summer, I like iced coffee, yeah. Andy, you always have to consume caffeine to get through a day. Always remember that. Yeah, right. It's pretty hard without it. The next morning, if you don't have any caffeine, you have that lack of caffeine headache. You know, like, give me some caffeine. You know what I do when I wake up in the morning? I growl like a bear, and the dog gets me my coffee, and... <laughs> <laughs> Do you do cream milk, Andy? Sugar? How do you make your coffee? Just milk. You don't have any sweetener in your coffee. Yeah, I don't put any sugar in coffee. That's as bland as bland could get, my friend. I just get the caffeine. I get sugar from other sources. (laughs) (laughs) With that said, folks, enjoy your weekend of sports. If you're a Metter Yankee fan, know that exciting times are ahead with the football right around the corner. We'll be back with you next week, same place, same time, to do it all over again. You've just heard this August 25th edition of the Sports Buzz Passionate Sports Talk for the Hardcore Fan is our daily motto. He was Andy Loigu. I was Kevin Wolf.
Adios. Until next time.